At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What comes to your mind when you think of the term gap year? If you're like most people, you likely are envisioning a person who's just completed secondary school. You might be thinking about the travel or work or volunteer experience they might gain before they transition to university. And most assuredly, you're envisioning a young person, perhaps a teenager or someone in their 20s. Rashida Dow is none of that. For starters, she's definitely already finished college. In fact, she's an accomplished attorney with an established career having worked for Fortune 500 companies as well as startups. And she's most definitely not in her 20s, which is what makes her story all the more interesting. In 2018, as a result of circumstance, Rashida decided to take a career break and an eventual career pivot. In this episode, she explains how both a layoff and burnout influenced her decision to walk away and eventually launch her brand, Sheeta's On The Loose. She candidly unpacks the pressures of success and the real tension Black women feel when choosing between prioritizing their own needs over those of others. As you'll soon hear, she also drops some insight on how to know if a career break is right for you, as well as her work with the Black Travel Alliance. That said, we spend a ridiculous amount of time talking about her love for Mexico City, our collective need to go to London, and why sometimes you just need a Big Mac when you're in Uruguay. Because why not? Be prepared to be amused. Welcome to the chatter. All right, so I am super pumped about this episode, and I know I say this at the beginning of every episode, but I just meet so many cool black and brown people <laughs> that I gotta be pumped. And so this is a woman, truly, I I think it's Providence that we're even having this, this, this chat because I have been following her for a while and I think that she's gonna drop some knowledge and some bombs for those of you who are listening. And if, if you've never even considered living abroad or a career gap or just changing your life, I feel like her story is gonna be pretty inspirational. And so Rashida, I am so glad that you're you're here at the chatter. How are you today? I am doing well. I'm super excited to be with you and get into the combo. Man, you know what? I, I'm mad that folks can't see your amazing head tie right now because I've been looking at it going, girl, if I could tie my hair Listen, off. Listen, they have seen it before because if you know me, you know I'm not doing my hair for any reason at all. So I'm being a turban, a head tie, a wig, a something. <laughs> well, it's winter, so I've been wearing these berets. 
Ah, okay. Girl, look, okay. I bought like five because uh, someone was having a sale on Etsy and they were like satin lined. And I was like, yeah, yes. I know about the black yes. hair. Mm-hmm. There was a sale. All right. So, now see you. so tell me, uh, where are you located right now? I am currently in the Polanco neighborhood of Mexico City. Okay. So you are in Mexico and I, there's a story to that. So before we get to how you got to Mexico, I want everyone to know a little bit about your international story. So I read you were born in the UK, specifically in England. Is that correct? Yes. I was born in London. Okay. So you were born in London. So just tell me, tell me your background. Tell me your history. Okay. So, um, born in London to West Indian parents who met there. Um, my dad's from Antigua, my mom's from Jamaica. They both uh, moved to London separately for work and then met and fell in love and had babies and then decided that London was too cold for their babies. So they moved to America. So I left England when I was two and I've been back once and it was cold. So I, I swear to you, I did not leave my apart my hotel room for, I think it was like 36 or 48 hours when I was there. I just got room service. I was on the end of a three-week work, uh, work trip. So I've been to England and I've worked out in the countryside and done some other things. Um, but as far as London, this was my one time on the back end of a work trip. I extended my trip so I could stay in London and really see some of the city, do some things, pay to be in a uh, hotel in a really easy part to get around. Girl, that rain didn't stop and I was tired and my room service was... <laughs> decent enough and I was like I will be right here watching trashy London TV trashy British TV and it was you know you know what's really sad is that I, I did an interview with some black folks in the UK and and you know them I think Omo and Yolanda yeah yeah okay no of and, them I don't I don't know them personally no, yeah no uh, yes yeah, hate dip your toes in and I said to them y'all I've only been to London once too and it was that hotel that's in Heathrow. Okay. And I was coming from Spain uh-huh. and I was so tired and so cold that I too did room service. <laughs> and, they, and they looked at me and went, you have been to London properly. I said, been all over the world. Never done a proper London trip. No. Sorry. No. I, <laughs> if I hadn't been so exhausted, but I spent like three weeks between London, between Germany and the uh, English countryside. And I was just like, Three weeks with coworkers, like even on the weekends, I was with my coworkers. Yeah. I was just like, girl, I got you. I got get some you. sleep in this hotel. Yes. <laughs> so my birthplace, I know nothing about. Well, but here, and here's the funny thing. I, I'm thinking about this, like, and I no shade to anyone, but I think in many ways I take London and particularly the England for granted the mm-hmm. way I took Canada for granted for a really long time. Okay. Meaning. It's there. You can always go. It's Western. Yeah. It's easier. Yeah. I can go there until I did several trips to Canada where I was like, no, this is really a, you know, there's, a, there's stuff that, right. Yeah. So I kind of feel that way about England right now, but I, I kind of want to go now that I've been, well, I, as I'm talking to you, and this is going to be slightly embarrassing. As I'm talking to you, I realized I've been another time. Because I remember someone, a friend of mine from law school who lives in London that I had lunch or dinner with once. And then I remember running around to all of a lot of the um, uh, the big tourist attractions yeah, with co-workers. Course. So I think I went once 
but it was like a planned that work thing. It was that memorable that you've <laughs> I worked for a European company. It was always like, but it was like you show up at like land in from America in Europe at like 5 a.m. And they expect you to be in meetings at 9 a.m. Like it was always like that. And so truly I had like, these things have slipped my mind. Like, oh yeah, we did. I did. I did see that. I have been outside of Buckingham Palace, haven't I? Forgot about that. So yeah, so there was a weekend that I was by myself, didn't leave a hotel. And there was a weekend when I was with a week, maybe I was with coworkers in London and didn't saw things, but not like I've never seen the house I I came home from the hospital to, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> the stuff I want to see, like the neighborhoods, I never saw that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's I think there's something to be said about traveling with coworkers too. I I have done it. And it's not like the stuff I want to see, they ain't trying to see. Like, no. to be honest, it's just not what. And I like to look at a lot of cultural stuff too. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know how you travel, but um, I really do like to look at things that are like, where are the black and brown people doing? Who are the ethnic groups? Who are the immigrant groups? Like, what's more than just Big Ben, right? Like, yes. I want to see those kind of neighborhoods, and not everyone necessarily wants to do that, right? Um, and traveling with coworkers. Like traveling with any other group of people, <laughs> you got to do the like consensus thing or do your own thing. And so on one of my trips, we were in, we were in Leipzig, Germany. Y'all, there's no need to go to Leipzig, Germany. Um, <laughs> but I was there. And I swear to you, I, there was one point where I was like, it's been too long since I saw a single black person. Like we visited a factory and I saw out of the hundreds of people on the factory line, I think I saw like one black person. But he didn't yeah. give me any kind of black person yeah. nod. Yeah. Any kind of, not even the nod, because I don't necessarily expect the nod from people. Or the acknowledgement. No eye contact, no nothing. And I was like, I see you. You see me. I know it. I know you. Anyway, um, so my coworkers are talking, oh, we should take the train to Berlin. We should do this. We should do that. And then, then the next day they're like, I just want to go shopping for my kids. I just want to do this. I just want to do that. So anyhow, I hopped on the train to Berlin by myself <laughs> and, and like went there for like maybe four or five hours. And I think like maybe a two hour train ride. I don't remember. And got back. And the next day they were like, we didn't see you yesterday. What were you doing? And when I told them, they were like, why would you go without us? Because you said... <laughs> You wanted to shop for your children or whatever. And guess who does not have children to shop for? I, you know what? And here's here's the other thing. And I don't know how you feel this way. And we'll, we'll get there eventually. I actually, and I'm going to say this because I know a lot of people are travelers. I hate group travel. Like I personally, mm-hmm. there are very few people I can travel <laughs> well with. I have a best friend because we're, we're very, we're the same speed. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I feel like I don't play well with others in terms of like, you just had an experience where it was like, well, let's go here and go shopping. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to. <laughs> no. And so that's my, I, solo travel is my favorite type of travel. Very, very small group. Like I know you, I know I have a friend, Erica. I know what she's going to do when we travel. She'll what I'm going to do. We both understand that probably for a little bit of time every day, we're about to be like, I'm going to see you on the other side. I will see you. Meet me here at dinner. I'm going to take a walk. I'll be back to the room whenever I get back to the room because I have a key. Like, 
Um, but I can also do group travel if I can stay within those parameters. So if I'm doing, I can do a large trip if the option to go somewhere, like if I don't want to do an excursion, it's not going to be people harassing me about the excursion, like the, the host. If it's like friends, I can do I said, yeah. no, I, my no was a no. It's a strong no. I can deal with that. But I don't yeah. want the, the hosts being like, no, you have to get, I am paying you <laughs> to leave me alone to organize some things and leave me alone and let me do what it is I want. Cause there's some days where I'm going to be like, get on a bus of 20 people. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm and not I- doing that. And I'm so low key. The people who want to do everything in a place, I just can't. Like, I can't. And that's why I have this one friend where we could easily look at each other and say, yeah, we're spending a lot of money to be in this flat, (laughs) in this city, in some part of the world. But you know what? We're really happy looking at each other yes. sitting on this patio. We ain't got to go see yes. everything that the city has to offer. And and I get that that is, that is a way for to travel. Um, I do think I, I see it more in people. And I say this with no disrespect. <laughs> you know, it's going you know to sound disrespectful. Oh, my bad. I apologize already. But people who are country counting and who want to experience everything they can in the country because they will have crossed it off their list and they are going to move on to another country. And that is a very valid way to travel. And that's why I said, I'm saying Mm -hmm. it's no disrespect. Like you can, Mm -hmm. you can experience everything on every, everything you can in one country and then say, I want to make my count bigger. And so I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. not going back to that country. I'm going back to other countries. It's just not the way I prefer to travel. I prefer to slow travel, see as much as I want, before I moved to Mexico City, I'd been here like four or five times. Same city, mm-hmm. same country, because I enjoy being here. And so the idea that the way to travel is to see everything crossed off your list and then move on to the next country, um, I think it does you a disservice. Because like you said before, you, you're probably not going to get the opportunity to see it's really hard to do that unless you're traveling for a very long time and see the tourist attractions and how the locals live. And so you're going to have to choose between those local cultural experiences and the big tourist attractions. And maybe you can do a little bit of some, a little bit of the other, but you're, you you can't see a country in a weekend. And I say this knowing there are some countries you can probably see in a weekend, Um, but not the majority of them. You can't see a, a city properly in a weekend, in a week. Like you, if you really want to say, you know, a place you, mm-hmm. it takes more in-depth time. If you don't care about that and you just want to say you've been to a place, do you valid, right. get that stamp. <laughs> Love it. Like sure, seriously, like yeah. there was a time when, when, when I traveled, it was pretty much like, well, where haven't I been before? Mm-hmm. Um, now I can't tell you how many countries I've been to because it doesn't, matter to me because most likely I'm going to keep repeating the same countries over and over. I'm going to go to some new stuff because I love exploring new places, but I'm also going to come back to places that I've had great experiences and that I love. And I'm going to bring people with me to um, enjoy the cities that I enjoy. So all that to say, you don't have to do everything in a weekend. If you give yourself the space to come back, you don't have to do everything on your one trip. If you know Mm -hmm. that, um, that your priorities are going to places 
where you mm-hmm. feel joy and not going to places just to do. Like, because sometimes mm-hmm. we don't talk about this a lot in the travel community, but sometimes traveling is just a way to occupy yourself and you just get, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just busy. It's just busy. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I have a list and I'm going to cross everything off the list. And mm-hmm. then when I'm done and I get back home, I will sleep for three days because I have exhausted myself chasing <laughs> that list. And also valid, but there are other ways to approach it. There are more relaxing, more um, more stress-free ways to approach it. But I'm also in my 40s. When I was in my 20s, I was like, give it all to me. Give it all. I want to see everything, everything. <laughs> Um, and so I say this as, as I was an older traveler, but I know I could get cussed out for saying that. So I'm not going to say that. As, but as someone who's been traveling, as an experienced, as an experienced traveler, um, I'm going to say that, that while you never know what lays ahead of you in life, never discount that you can come back to a place. So you don't have to stress about doing it all, especially if doing it all isn't your speed. And if you Mm -hmm. travel, like Amanda said, if you travel with people who doing it all is their speed and it's not your speed, don't ruin your vacation so that Mm -hmm. they can enjoy theirs. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Don't Mm -hmm. do that on any group trip. Don't do that anywhere in your life. Mm -hmm. If you got to run around from dawn till dusk and you don't feel like running around from dawn till dusk, don't, why are you on, it's not a vacation. Like this is your time to find new things, to experience mm-hmm. pleasure. Um, maybe in a way that you, you don't in your normal life. If you're stressed at home and you're stressed on your vacation, cause it's not what you want to do. What is you doing? Like what is, what's happening? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you this question because, and obviously we, we got on this, we got on this pathway. Did you grow up traveling as a younger person? So when, as a kid, did you travel with your family or was this something you really picked up as a young adult? So I am conflicted about that. <laughs> my answer to the question, because I think there are, as an immigrant mm-hmm. and as a child of immigrants, I traveled in the sense that we went to see our people, but I didn't travel in the sense of like exploring new places. So I see people talking about like, oh, every summer. Um, and I love it when I see black people talk about this because it, it's not something that I thought about when I was younger. So knowing now <laughs> that people did this, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I traveled every summer. We went, we took a road trip somewhere else to New City. I'm like, oh, people do that? I know, but, but then that makes, so in my, my brain, my little monkey mind that is not always telling me the truth. I'm like, oh, we didn't, we didn't vacation in the summer, but like I lived in Jamaica for two years. Now, trust me, (laughs) I did not have indoor plumbing. So that was not a vacation. No, put that right right there. That was not a vacation. I I lived somewhere for two years without my parents and it was not a pleasurable experience, even though people find it hard to believe that you could live in Jamaica and not be pleasurable. Mm-hmm. My grandma found a way <laughs> it was, um, but like, and I've been to Antigua and I, I think we went back to London when I, but I was really little and like, we went, we see, um, and like, like I was 15, I went to Florida to meet my cousins, that kind of stuff. But it was always, you have family. It was one of like a very West Indian hub. You know what I mean? Like it was a very like your people are here. And so we're going there and a lot of, and it wasn't 
consistent. And so, yes, I, I traveled, but I traveled the most when I was too young to remember it. Like I went back to Jamaica. My first solo trip was back to Jamaica for my grandfather's funeral. Like you see, it felt more like family obligations. Like you're, you're traveling for family events or obligations, but not like we took a vacation. But at the same time, I recognize that these are different forms of vacation. And so I'm somewhere in between. I traveled a lot as when I was growing up, because in comparison to people who didn't get on a plane until they were like 21, like I traveled quite a bit compared to that. But I also in my, in the same brain with the same facts, tell myself that like, we didn't vacation when I was a child. So here's something you're talking and it's like, it's something I have thought about for a bit. You know, when we hear, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to use majority, right? So if we talk about white folks and they talk about summering somewhere. Yes. Keep in mind, that's like a media perception though, because think about the movies we've seen growing up mm-hmm. about, and I brought this up before, white family going somewhere, going, you know, going to the Hamptons, going mm-hmm. to whatever, whatever it is that it's glamorized. Right. But we never saw stories or as many stories of black and brown people mm-hmm. going somewhere. And especially if it looks different from that narrative. Mm-hmm. And so I think even, even when we think about ourselves going to go and see family, right. It's like, well, it's not like, and I, and there's a party that I was like, well, it's not like when people say going to go vacation, but right. I'm like, who cares what the intention and the purpose is? Yes. You got in a car, you got in a train, you got in a plane, you got in a boat. Right. It's valid, but I think that just even what we see of black and brown folks going to go see folks, I, it's like I have this conversation all the time with people like, well, I just went to go see family. And I'm like, but you crossed borders. Yes. And so, but I, as I say, like, I know, I know that I traveled. I, it's weird. Okay, let me put it like this. I traveled when I was young, but I don't feel like I took vacations when I was young. That's totally valid. It's, it's a disconnect. I know that factually it's a disconnect in my brain, <laughs> right? but it is what it is. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah. It, this is just even the language around travel and how we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. And, 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 and there are even things that I've internalized that I've thought, no, that's valid. Just because it didn't look like these folks. Right. Does it mean that it isn't as important? Right. And so so you did travel as a young person. I did. The long so, answer to your short question. <laughs> I did. You did travel. I did travel. And so so I, so you mentioned early on your parents and your family. You obviously came to the U.S. when you were two. Where did you guys end up settling? So where did you grow up? In California. I grew up in California. And there were, um, there was like no family in California. But mom wanted to leave, move somewhere warm, which is why the only way to see family was to like, go to Antigua, Puerto Rico, or Florida, like that kind of stuff was the only time I saw anyone who I was related to. So where, where did, where in California did you grow up? In Riverside, California. Yeah. Okay. So you grew up in Riverside. Yeah. So I, I read that you eventually went on to, did you go to Berkeley? I did. did you go I did. Which I've been on that campus many, many, many a times for random reasons. Yeah. But I and then you eventually became a lawyer. And, and this yeah. is what I'm getting to a point with this, which another connection. So my family lives in Richmond, Virginia. I've been to Charlottesville plenty of times. I'm so sorry for you. So I'm like, oh, we're getting there. And so you are an attorney and I'm trying to make the connection 
but you're not, you're not, are you practicing currently now? I'm not, I'm not. So what was the switch for you? Cause you, you are doing something that's completely different than what you were doing before. Yes. So how did you end up starting your brand and, and, and really getting into content creation around travel and, and career breaks? Uh, I lost my job, but like, <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. That's the short story, but it's not, it's not like if you filled in the blanks, you just fill them in incorrectly. It's not that I lost my store, my job. And so I had to find something else to do. It yeah. was, um, I lived in Virginia. I'm sorry. I went to law school in Virginia, um, moved to Ohio, started working for a law firm that I hated. Hey, like they sent me a random email. I ended up on their email list the other day and I was like, who can I call to report y'all? So yeah, they, they laid me off in 2009 in like the, in the recession. Yeah. No, yes. sure. Um, because I had a specialty that no one was really giving us work for, which also meant that I had a specialty that no one was actually hiring for. So they were like, yeah. here girl, yeah. bye. Um, along with 20% of her associates. Um, so it wasn't just me, but it also felt like just me because I had wrapped up my identity so tightly, especially I was just fresh out of law school. Mm-hmm. And I was a couple of years out. It, I was Rashida at this mid-sized law firm in the city. Everyone knew the firm. Everyone knew where my office was, um, especially with like the black lawyers. It was a great place to be. It was, and I just moved to the city for that job. So it was my identity in the mm-hmm. city. And my last job, I was almost amazed at how quickly I lost the identity. And it wasn't like that it like, not that I was no longer anybody, but like the people that I was always meeting for lunch, I wasn't meeting for lunch anymore. And I realized um, that I'd been stressed, I'd been burned out and I didn't realize how much of me and who, what I was considering valuable to me in the moment was wrapped up in my job, in my income, Mm. in like the prestige. Um, But when I lost that job, I found out real quick, (laughs) real quick. It was a humbling experience. Um, I still have friends from that time, but most of the people in that time, like they could, if you're not, you know, down the street, let's meet for lunch. Instead, it's something we have to plan because I'm now at home 30 minutes away. Yeah. Lunches happen less frequently. Um, Yeah. That was layoff number one. Layoff number one. It's a long story. Sorry. I apologize in advance. Um, But it's my origin story. So it gets to be long. Um, (laughs) Layoff number one taught me to disconnect my identity from Mm. my job. And it also taught me that you need to get your money together because (laughs) these people will snatch a job real quick, like a good, a six figure job to not to zero in like the span of two weeks, like two weeks later, bye. You have, Okay. Good luck. God bless. In the middle of a recession. Um, And so I, I got another job. I started working for a car company and Mm -hmm. it was like, it was amazing. It was such a difference. I went from, and this isn't something I talk about a lot. I talk about it more with lawyers than travel people or travel conversations, Um, But I think it's important for everyone to know at my first job, everything, every day, um, 
the attitude there was you are new, so you don't know how to do anything. And instead Mm -hmm. of teaching you how to do anything, we are going to reinforce that you don't know anything, but not actually teach you how to do anything. So if you do anything wrong, like it was, I started rewatching Grey's Anatomy and it's like how they treat the interns, but like you're, yeah, you're an intern for like, as far as there's no like getting out and graduating. You are an intern as far as the eyes can see. They're going to treat you like shit. I asked one guy, I was like, I'd like, I'd like to learn from you. Cause I, he's the head of my department. Mm. Head of my department. I was like, I need, I need to learn more things. So I want to learn from you. And he was like, no, I've taught other people. I'm not teaching anyone anymore. And I'm like, so what, how do I, <laughs> if you're the head of my department, being honest, but <laughs> and in charge of my development, like you are the head of development for this department. Oh, how was your response? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. If he's- <laughs> How was your response? Go on somewhere. <laughs> when you are. Okay. Like, what am I supposed to? Anyway. Um, <laughs> but then when I went to, when I switched jobs, and this is, this is the important part for me, I got to a place where people were like, Oh, thank you. I never knew how to do. Oh, this is how you do that. And so I realized I knew a lot when I left mm. that law firm. I knew a lot. And my knowledge didn't change when I went to the car company. The only thing that changed was the way people treated my information. So instead of being like, you're stupid, you're stupid. I mean, they didn't say you're stupid. They just said other things that sounded like you're stupid, right? Right. Um, And people people being like, oh, oh, that's how, oh, thank you. Oh, I didn't know. Or one that I loved was, no one's ever known how to do that here. And you know how to do that. Like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I'm like, I know shit. (laughs) Like, wait a minute now. Like, and so I didn't know that I knew things until I came in and they were like, thank you. They were so grateful for my knowledge. And just that switch took me from like really unsure of myself to, oh, I've got this. Hmm. Um, and I had it for a long time and I switched specialties when I was at the car company and then I worked, then I went to work for a tech company that was doing the thing I was doing at the car company when I left, um, moved to California, moved back to the Bay area, which is where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the car company went out, of, the, the tech company went out of business, like not, not laid off, like Everybody go. Everybody. Everybody's gone. Okay. Everybody's gone. Um, and but I knew before they announced because I was like, some of the things you guys are doing are not sustainable. Mm-hmm. But y'all, y'all got these business school degrees. And you don't want to hear from nobody, especially right. not little black me. You, I say things, and you're like, blah blah blah. This is what we're doing. Okay. I'm going to keep collecting this check because <laughs> as one should. it's like the Titanic. I see the iceberg. Y'all are right that you don't want to. <laughs> Let me go ahead and put this life vest on. Play the violin though. Cause Listen, you gotta have the people that play. I'm play. putting my life vest on. Let me grab a sturdy piece of furniture. Cause I'm going down. <laughs> okay. So um, they actually, which I never think I don't speak of often, but hey, when my company was going out of business, they asked me to stay around. I was mm-hmm. the only lawyer at the company. I knew that gave me um, a, a bit of power because mm-hmm. like, 
you can't, you're in your last days. You can't fire me. Like once we agree, but this is what we're doing. So they paid me double my salary to stick around for seven months. Wow. Yes. Wow. Wow. And I was giving them like one quarter of the work. Like it was, they, they, it was a stressful place. People were tasked with doing things they didn't know how to do. So they were very, um, my therapist was like, girl, give them the least. Like she was like, why would you? Cause I was like, I I'm in a place. And so we're totally off travel, but we're talking about like job burnout and stress. Yeah. So bear of with course. me guys. Um, I told her about a conversation cause I saw her in the middle of the workday. So I told her about a conversation that I think it just happened. And she was like, Oh no, they sound awful. Like, can you, can you do, I, I asked her, I was like, I just don't want to give them energy. And she's like, well, why do you? And I was like, I feel like I have to, I have to do my best. And she was like, do they deserve your best? No, the fuck they don't. I was like, Oh, she was like, you don't have to give them more than you want to. She was, can, can they replace you? No. She was like, you're not screwing anything up. And I was like, no, I just, don't want to show up to see, like I'm working, I've been working from home. It was back in 2018. And I was working from yeah. home a lot because yeah. I don't want to see your faces. Cause when I see you, you're, you're not nice. Like, and it's not personal. You're not nice to yeah. everybody, but yeah. I like nice people. Like I don't raise voices. <laughs> no, right. I'm not doing that. Um, right. And so I had that moment of, I needed that without her giving me that permission. Um, to give my least, I would have never done it. But once she did it, I was like, every day I was like, I can do this. I can, I can check email for 30 minutes. I can respond to these people for 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening. I am getting double the pay. We could do this. And that's what I did for like the last, I would say at least three months. And I don't care if y'all hear this, this is what <laughs> happened. It is the truth. I do not have a bad work ethic. I have a great work ethic, but I will not be abused at work. And I will not like, if you don't appreciate, like as a lawyer, I typically get people, a lot of times get business people argue with me. I'll have an mm-hmm. argument with you once. I'll have an argument with you twice. If you want me to prove my point nine times, just say you don't trust my legal work and get someone else to do it. Oh, wait, you can't. <laughs> Because I'm the only lawyer you have. Because I'm the only specialist in this, like this side of the Mason Dixon. Like, what you gonna do? Call around, find, like, or stop arguing with me. Like, it would just get to the point where it was like, you you don't know whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong inherently, and I get that. But we can't keep having the same argument over and over again, in which you try to prove that I'm wrong because you don't know shit about the law. And I do like this, this particular point is my specialty. Why is y'all, you know what? Fine. Argue with your mama. Like, I don't, I don't care. I just, I don't care. So go ahead. I was going to say, you know, what's, what I think is really cool about what you're saying though, is that two things, number one, most people already know I'm a counselor, so I'm really pumped about what your counselor said, (laughs) because I'm actually, and my focus area is career. And I spend having that conversation all the time. Why are you doing all of this oh and burning all this energy? Oh you, you, people don't think about that. But the second part is, I think your story is so valid because 
And we will get to what you are doing now, but all these steps took you there, right? Yes. Like all of these pieces. Yes. And so we can't just say you've got this brand right? and ain't nobody even know how you landed right. on the brand. Like, and, and I think that that's valid. And so I, trust me, we spent a lot of time not even talking about travel on this podcast. Because <laughs> people gotta, uh, they got to unpack what's going yes. on with them first. Unpack. And then we're like, by the way, I have an international life. Right. <laughs> it's completely valid. And I said my origin story was long. So we're going to circle back around and get to how the brand started. So um, I see my therapist. And one day I got the idea. I don't remember if I was in an appointment with her or not. Um, I've been looking for jobs, but it was more to say, more like little angry tech people, yeah. more like jobs I didn't want. And I was, it's hard to recognize burnout when you're in the middle of it. Like mm. what it's, when you're crying before you go to work every day, mm-hmm. that's, that's like, oh yes. But there are several steps before that, that you yeah. Where you can cut it off, um, but we, you might not see it. I was burned out and I didn't realize it because I was doing like 30 minutes of work a day, maybe an hour, maybe three or four, but nothing more than that. Um, I didn't realize how exhausted I was of working for ungrateful people. Mm. Um, and some people might say like your paycheck is enough gratitude, but not, no, no. like no. not when, no. Not for what I, <laughs> You're just like, it's no, not done. You ain't got to explain it. You ain't got, <laughs> you, yeah. listen, the attitude you give is the attitude you get. So, for, so I was like, you want to, you want to be a dick? You don't see me as little as possible. You can say that or whoever for your, no, I don't care. Anyway, um, I got a lot of notice that I was getting let go and about like maybe two, a month or two before maybe a month before I actually ended, I realized that I hadn't actually been actively looking for jobs. Like I was looking, but not like searching, searching. And yeah. so I said, what if I don't get a job and just start traveling? And then I was like, girl, you got bill. Like, who does that? Who, <laughs> what kind of shit is that? Like, literally I was like, and you're like, I'm not tripping. 21. So this I am not yeah. 21. I do not have a trust fund. Sissy tripping. Who do you think you are? crazy and then one day I was like what if you just look like take a look at take a look at your investment accounts how much you have saved yeah and I was like oh I'm going traveling like in that moment it flipped from this is not possible to if other people can do this I can do this and other people I meant people because I only saw like white 21 year olds taking gap mm-hmm. years and, you know, spending whoever's money. I, I didn't know. Um, and I've come to learn it's none of my business whose money they're spending because <laughs> don't ask me anything about whose money I'm spending now. Um, but I will tell you it is my own because I've been working <laughs> since God was born. Like it's just, I've been working forever and I'm tired. Uh, so I knew that I was tired. I knew I needed a break and Mm. something happened one day where like the idea of taking a break hit me. I saw that I could fund a break for a year. Um, but I was scared. And so I was going to my therapist, I told her the idea one week and the next week I was like, 
But what if I didn't go now? What if I waited and like I got another job and I just worked it for a year and I saved and I made a real plan to travel and it was well thought out and planned out. And my therapist, she was Eastern European and very um, blunt. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she wasn't like the typical therapist. Like I, so I've been to therapy on and off throughout my life. And I expect my therapist to be like, well, what? I had just come from a, well, what do you think therapist? And I transitioned to this new therapist. And the therapist was like, no, she was like, you're not going to go. If you don't go now, you're not going to go. And I'm like, <laughs> between that and telling me I could do the least, I was like, is this what you're supposed to be? She's not asking. She's just telling me like, no. <laughs> and it was, it was a good point. And I, I wouldn't have seen it myself because I was like in the middle of fear. But she yeah. said, if you don't leave now, if you use excuses to not leave now, you'll use excuses to not leave in the future. Like I was single. I didn't have kids. Um, I didn't have a mortgage. I had, like, there was nothing. I didn't have a job. She was like, if you're not going to leave when you don't have a job, are you going to leave when you actually do have a job? And I was like, eh. you saying things, lady. You saying, saying things. Uh, she might be right. Um, and so I sat with it. And then it was like, the okay, talk to your West Indian parents who work multiple jobs at the same time. <laughs> My mom is Jamaican. Truly, in every sense of the word. So I was like, oh, my, so, par- my parents are immigrants too. That's why yes. I'm looking at you going, this is about to be real entertaining. <laughs> but it was fine. My mom was like, oh, this is sounds so exciting. You should take me with you. And I was like, first no. of all, <laughs> I am telling you what I'm going to do. That was informational. <laughs> you do whatever you were planning on doing for this next year. This is informational. <laughs> You get to do, you want to meet me somewhere. Okay, maybe. You want to travel with me, with me for a month at a time? No, ma'am. I say this as someone who lived with my mom because I got injured last year for a year while I was recovering and whose mom is now one wall away from them in Mexico City because she doesn't want to be in the U.S. And so she's here with me now. <laughs> so I, these boundaries I say I have, I might not be as good at <laughs> holding them up. As I think, but as far as my trip around the world, that's how it started. Okay, so laid off once in two thousand nine, and 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 before you get started, because I really want to pick up with that story and get into all the, the 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 fun things that you're doing with the career gap. So if you just give us one, a few moments to just do our commercial break, and we'll come back in. If you're listening to The Global Chatter, there's a good chance you like stories about expat life, identity, and more, which is why I'm going to recommend you check out Flourish in the Foreign by Christine Job. Her podcast elevates and affirms the stories of Black women living and thriving abroad, and it explores expat living as a pathway to wellness. Flourish in the Foreign is available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so you just gave us an amazing introduction into how your global life, at least as an adult, (laughs) started. And so at this point, talk to the counselor, 
you've left the job, you've decided, you know what, I'm going to do this. And so tell us what happened from that point. Like, where did you go? Where did you start? How did you start? And what's been the reaction since then? Um, I went to Portland to drop off my dog <laughs> with a friend. Or, or, wait, Portland, Portland Oregon, Oregon. That was the first step. Portland's I left the Bay cool, Area. Though. Went to Portland, yes. Dropped off my dog. Went to Canada to, see, to say goodbye to my best friend because I usually go to Canada once or twice a year to see my best friend and my god babies. Um, mm-hmm. Went to Vancouver. And then I um, was like, oh, yeah, I should say goodbye to my dad. <laughs> I forgot about him. So I went to L.A., say goodbye to my dad. Went to Florida, say goodbye to my mom. And then a friend of mine was having a birthday party in Playa del Carmen. And I used... Mm-hmm that date to anchor my, um, when I was going to leave the U S um, mm. I traveled. So I went to Playa del Carmen, traveled through Mexico, um, traveled to Cuba. Uh, then I went to Europe and I've been back to the U S in between mm-hmm. some of these stops. Um, that I'll tell you went to Europe, went to the middle East, went to South America went to Asia, hmm. 44 cities, I think, in a year. Kids don't do that. <laughs> did you, so let me ask you, did you, all right, because I had a friend who intentionally went around the planet, but she didn't double back. But was this like you went somewhere and came back or is this like you went somewhere and kept going? I went somewhere and came back and went somewhere else. I left Africa off there, I think, but I went, I went to South Africa, went to Seychelles. Okay. I went, yeah, um, I, I came back, um, and it's funny when I first left, because your mind is always going to play tricks on you. So when I first left, the thought of coming back felt like a failure to me. Like mm. I, I, I have, I have announced hands on hips. I have announced I am going to do this. I'm going to travel the world for a year. So if I come back early, if I come back in between, I only travel the world for a year. So it feels like a failure. Yeah, a little too much pressure. Also, um, within like, I want to say within five weeks of me leaving the country, my dad passed away. So I came back. Um, and so I hadn't even left Mexico yet when that happened. And I was like, this, now he'd been sick for a long time. And when I said goodbye, we knew we did the like, this might be the last time we see each other kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was inevitable. I just it's inevitable. And it had been an expectation for probably 10 years. He'd been so sick for like 10 years. And so I went for a decade of wondering like, when is it going to happen to seeing like, Oh, okay. So like the minute I leave the country. Okay, cool. All right. I'll be back. Um, and so, but the failure happened really early in my trip. And after that, I was like, if I want to come back and drop stuff off and get fresh laundry done and sleep in my mom's guest room, that's what I'm gonna do. So that's what I did. Um, and then women started contacting me and asking me like, about traveling long-term, how they did it. Um, Black women were saying like, oh, we haven't seen other people do this before. Um, Not that, not that I'm saying I'm like, like the first person to do it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that within our sphere of influence, people, we don't see something. Like someone might be doing it on the other side of IG, but maybe you don't see that person. Right. Right. Um, And so completely valid. Yes. Not, not, not a trailblazer. But I was visible to a certain group of people, um, especially people who were my age, who had had careers, Absolutely. who were, you know, thinking that they're, they were very successful. And so I think we don't talk about this part a lot either, but 
feeling very successful can have you feeling stuck as well. Like there, you don't get to, you did all this. Like I went to law school and then was like, no, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. Like what? Who? What? And that's what I wanted to ask you because even when we think about, when we think about a gap year, so even in the U.S., right, we're often when it's phrased, it's very much phrased as it is in Europe, where it's someone who's coming out of high school or, you know, before they go to university. So we already phrase it as someone who's being, who's young, right? Mm -hmm. Between that 18 and 25, 18 to 28 range, right? But then I think in the U.S., it's already not as common as, as Europeans who take a year off before they go to university, but then to be what is perceivably seen as an adult mm-hmm. successful person of color. Cause I know you talked about identity early on, but I just kept thinking to myself, man, oh man, there are people to look at you and be like, Oh my gosh, this black woman went to really good law school. She was an attorney. She was doing all this other stuff. This is the stuff we're trying to get to. And then she's dialed it back and has taken a career break or an adult gap yes. year. Like there's so many boxes. I think that you check off that people don't even see to even conceptualize. Yeah. I think that it's the kind of thing that now that I've done it, I see lots of black women doing it. It's the kind of thing where like, if you're looking for, you know, an orange car, you gonna see a hundred orange cars. So now that I do it, especially because I'm in that community now, I see black women doing it more and more now um, in ways that I didn't have visibility to earlier because they weren't in my community because my community was burnt out black female lawyers. Like that's what my community was. Right. <laughs> or like in the Bay area, black tech women who were like, we going to make it through the struggle together. You know, right. they were not in those groups, especially my, my tech groups. I was the first person to do this because everybody mm-hmm. else was like, once you make it into tech, you stay in, like you don't leave. You might go to a different company, but you stay in tech because you have, you have reached success. And so you stay here. Um, And that's just an expectation of black women that in a lot of ways, uh, if you find success, you find a way to share that success with other people. And you cannot share that success if you give it up. Um, For me, I had to recognize that my mental health was, was a key factor in my success. So when I'm stressed out and tired and not my best, the paycheck don't really matter because I'm just going to spend it on shoes. Like, and the shoes aren't going to make me feel any better, any better than the cupcake will. Like, it's just, and so I had to recognize that, that um, I had to put myself first. And that is what I did when I took my break. And then about like maybe three or four months into my break, I was like, imagine me working for another white man. Ugh, like, ugh. <laughs> no. You were done. <laughs> No. Imagine me having to like, even like work travel before one of my bosses was like, you will stay at this hotel and do, and you will arrive on this date. He managed micromanagers. (laughs) He managed budgets in the, like, I would probably say like hundreds of millions, but you mapped out what flight I'm going to take from a city you're not even in to, to Munich? Like, what are you doing? You're telling me what hotel I'm? I was like, that's not, that's not what we're doing again. Like no, none of that, nothing that even looks approximately like that. Like I am a big girl. 
I'm very good at what I do. If I want to come back into this career, it will be on my own terms. And then I decided like, I didn't want to. So you asked about like how the brand started. The brand started because I was like working for other people. (laughs) No, thank you. And that in combination with women asking me how I did it, I started making YouTube videos about my experience. They are very bad. Or they were. They're they're better now. They've, got, they've gotten better because you, you know. Yes. I understand. Yes. Trust me. So that is <laughs> youtube.com slash she does on the loose. Um, yeah. In the beginning, I know what I was doing. I know how to edit. The lighting was trash. But I was trying to share the story of other Black women who were taking these adventures. And so I interviewed other women who were doing these, these things. Mm-hmm. Um and then people would call, ask for advice. I'd set up sessions with them and I would walk them through. I would help them plan their trips. And so it just turned into something. And so now um, my brand is the same name as my blog. It's She Does On The Loose. Um, I've got a website. Uh, you can find me on IG at Sheeta D. I have all kinds of tools to help you. I do one-on-one coaching um, to help you press reset on your life because that is something mm-hmm. that we don't consider often. It's something I actually like to talk about. As we go through life, we make a number of micro decisions that lead us to where we are. It's very rare that it's a big decision. Like it's it's usually like I live in this apartment because I took that job and this job is convenient for that apartment and it's related to the salary of the job. All these things that are like little micro decisions one by one. And I, I drive this car because I got it micro decision kind of a way. Um, but when you take a career break, you have an opportunity to redecide, like to make every decision from scratch. You can say, I'm putting the life as I know it on hold, take a sabbatical, take a career break, put the life as you know it on hold and say, I'm going to go travel the world or I'm going to go stay in uh, a Unabomber cabin in the woods, whatever, do you, whatever you like. Um, I'm go- Or I'm going to move to Oman for six months. I'm going to do whatever it is. Hopefully you get out of your current atmosphere because it's really hard to change your current atmosphere. But if you can take a break and get away, get even if it's just a new city and stay there while you think about what it is you want, get away from that job, um, take a break for yourself, whether that is three months, six months, a year, two years, um, there comes a point where you get to make the decisions over again. So I teach a course called From Burnout to Bliss and we do group coaching in there. And Mm -hmm. most of the women in my course are planning on traveling um, safely around the world when the world opens up a little bit more. Um, But what, what we talk about is like selling, giving away, storing all of your stuff. We talk about quitting your job or getting an approved leave, um, picking your departure date, what days you're going to, what what places you're going to go. But this all allows them to three, six, nine months into their break, say, what do I want life to look like when I come back to the U.S.? Do I come back to the U.S.? Do I come back to my old career? Do I go back to my old industry? Or have I, in this time, decided that my identity is separate from my job, from the job I had, from the prestige I have, from however I defined myself. Is that not truly who I am? And has it just been a number of small decisions? And now that I have an opportunity to make 
all of those decisions at once, what do I decide? And so it truly is a life reset and ability to say like, I've been burned out. I do not love what I'm doing. Or even if you do, but you still, you deserve a break, even if you love it. Um, it, it's, a, it's a chance to say, okay, let me figure out who I am when I don't have any responsibilities. Let me figure out who I am when I'm free to be me. And let me use that information I've gained about myself to inform my decisions about my future. And so... I'm curious when you're having conversations then with clients, what are you seeing are the biggest challenges or barriers to folks even conceiving that this could be for them? Like what are the things that people say that make them kind of almost fearful to even try this out? They don't think it's possible for them. And so typically with almost everybody. And so if you're listening to the audience and you're thinking about this now, I went through this myself. And so there's no judgment associated with this is where you are. You tell yourself that for X reason, it can't happen. Like, I don't have the money. Well, how much money do you need? You don't know because you haven't thought that far because you stopped at, I don't have the money. Or I can't take the time off work. Do you love that job? Would you like, would you die for that job? Because if not, trust me, they will leave your ass behind with a quickness. Like... Some some of my, um, I had a a client who didn't want to leave because she felt too much loyalty to her employees. Okay. As career counselor here, I had this conversation yesterday. I had this conversation last week. I have this conversation all the time with folks. You know that unless it is yours, it's not yours. (laughs) And if they have to lay you off, whether they are good people or not, or fire you or whatnot, they will do what's in the best interest of the company. Yes. And you have to do what's in the best interest of you. (laughs) Loyalty is not a thing when it comes to paychecks. Don't let it be. But (laughs) particularly for black women, we feel because we are so often treated and in the job market, because if you saw the job loss numbers, you already know it is, it is hard for us to get these jobs sometimes, even when we're doubly qualified, it can be really hard for us to get these jobs. And so sometimes we feel like we should be grateful for the job we have when they are not even paying us enough that they should be. We're being underpaid, overworked, unappreciated, but we still feel like we should be grateful. Do you I, ever do you, do you ever hear from from black women, maybe even concerns or pressure. I don't even know if pressure is the right word. It might be like disapproval, maybe with family or people in their circle. Do you know what I mean? Like the people in their world, when, especially when you talk about the kind of black woman that has been successful, Mm -hmm. right. And has gotten to a point that maybe no one in her family has gotten to no one in the neighborhood. Do you ever see almost, I could say use the word guilt. Mm-hmm. I actually um, talked about that on IG today on Instagram, but that so perfectly uh, timely question, but it's not, I think we, the guilt is most likely to come from friends. Like where you got this far, whatever family tends to be the, the pre- when I talk to my clients, the family pressure talk tends to be, but what about me? If you leave, who's going to take care of me? Or 
we bring that pressure on ourselves when our family hasn't said anything. Almost half the women in my class are ha- so. Um, I ran a summit earlier this year with my part, business partner, Exodus Summit, and we there were like over thirty five hundred women who who attended, and we did some um, some group coaching. And in the group coaching, the thing that came up most often for people was, "This is going to be a problem for my family," because oftentimes what happens is your family. People have parents or other people they need to take care of. It's almost never kids. It's always like the older generation who say, um, I want to leave, right? Uh, you're saying you want to go. And the family's like, no, I know you have three brothers and sisters, but I want you to take care of me. And I want to live with you, responsible black woman. Um <laughs> But I don't want to live abroad. And so you can't move abroad because I don't want to live abroad and I won't live with any of your other 15 other relatives. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And so that is a conversation that happens over and over again. And I tell people to put their oxygen mask on first, but we have reached our thirties and our forties. If you have spent your whole life caring for other people it's really hard to break yourself of that shackle now. And I say shackle and I know family is a joy and love and it's the best thing that ever happened. But if you cannot put yourself first, it's a shackle. If you cannot say, this is what I need to take care of myself. If you have people who are dependent on you, that you did not physically create these people, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or or bring them into you are not the one who brought them into the family right you are not partner to them you, and you did not I don't even care about partners I was thinking about like adopted kids girl your partner better go somewhere with that say birth adopted yes yeah, something like that <laughs> um if they are not actually fundamentally dependent on you like they cannot manage without you um if, if there are no capacity issues, why are you letting them control your life? Because a lot of times they could do otherwise, but they want to control it. They, they want things look. their way. And so they are going to pressure you into you living your life the way they want you to live your, their, your life. They don't want mm-hmm. you to leave the country because it's not safe, right? Like America mm-hmm. is this like blessing ground for... <laughs> For black folks, right? Like it is. It is the what fourteenth of January at the time of this listen, recording. Let's just. I, it took me a moment to realize it hadn't even been two weeks now uh, when it all just went kind of mm-hmm. left. And and so people say that like, well, it's not safe, so I don't want you to, get, or they think that, and then they 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 let their what happens is other people speak their fears into us, and we just okay. accept it. We accept the fear, or we just internalize it as they say it like they don't want you to go because they're scared but they're not saying they're scared they're saying they need you Mm -mm. does your mama need you Mm. (laughs) could your worthless ass brother do something instead of just like letting you do everything (laughs) and and would they step up especially if you're no longer in the picture and that's something that comes up with parents parent i get a lot of parents who are like my my 25 year old child depends on me well, what if they they are fully able to work? They just don't. 
There's no capacity issues. There's no mental, no nothing, no physical. They just take your money because you give them money. Girl, what if you didn't? You think they could get a job? You think they, they can't support themselves? They can't or they won't. God. Well, let me ask you this because, and, and we've, we've been in the family train and you started off talking about friends. What is it that friends say that's different than what family says? Um, it depends on your friends, but friends don't typically go with the, I need you to, I need to live with you. I need to do that now. Friends are typically either super, super supportive. I, I find two categories. Friends are super, super supportive or they're like, mm-hmm silently shady about it. Um, and that's not necessarily like close friends. A lot of times it's like your Facebook circle, people at work. Um, I got, when I got laid off, so one of, one of the lawyers, the company, um, cause there were two companies in one, one got laid off, one didn't long story. Um, one shut down, one didn't, uh, I said something about like, you know, I was still in a phase where I was like, I wish I had a job or a steady paycheck. And she was like, you're going to go travel the world. What do you have to complain about? And I'm like, not having a job or a paycheck or any security. Please don't act like, like, like it's one thing to be like, you know, this is a, this is a great adventure. It's going to be amazing. But to be like, your life is perfect because Passive you're aggressively bitchy. Right. Like, yes. so there is, you will run. I tell everyone, I tell all of my finances, you somewhere you will encounter passive aggressive bitchiness. It is going to happen. You have to figure out whether it matters to you. People will love you and, and support you. And people will like suddenly hate. It's okay. Who's paying your bills? Like who? Them? No. Welcome. <laughs> And I feel like that's a conversation with a lot of expats, right? Is that they make a decision, however they do it, right? Mm -hmm. For love, for job, for career, whatever. And you still have to deal with the contingent of folks who are looking at you mainly through social media and going, well, especially if you, if you express some kind of discomfort, Mm -hmm. displeasure, yes. Yes. What do you have to complain about? Because, you know, you're living this fabulous life in Paris. Well, you know what? It's still the planet. Right. Like, (laughs) I still, sorry. I still, <laughs> so, and that's something that our facial expression right now, because this, this is a gift right now. This, our facial yes. Like, um, I tell, and that's something that I, I tell people I work with as well is that it can be isolating because it feels like when it comes to certain things, there's no one to talk to. If you're going through this, mm-hmm. you need to create a community of people who've been through this, where there is in, whether that's moving abroad or taking a career break and traveling, any kind of long-term travel um, your friends aren't going to understand why when you're in Dubai, you are curled up in your hotel room in the dark because you're tired and you're over shit or you're in China and you're tired of people staring at you. And so you don't want to go outside. Like they, they will not for the most part, unless it's a really obvious thing, the China thing, I think a lot of people understand, but for the most part, like your people from home don't understand bad days because you're traveling the world and it's supposed to be the best adventure ever. And there are days where it will feel like the best adventure ever. And then there's going to be a Tuesday. Like it's just, it's a day, no matter where you are, maybe your your cramp period hit and it's the cramps. Maybe like I threw out my back trying to bring my suitcases up. Like 
I was, there was a point where I was laid on a floor in a, a apartment in Barcelona. And I was like, like, I literally can't stand up right now. But when I get online, if I say that, people are going to be like, but you're in Barcelona. And I'm like, I, I literally have so much pain in my lower back that I can't even like flip onto my knees. I cannot stand up like that. But it's so it's at like that point you you might as well be in Cleveland. Might as well. You know, you know, you're back in the dark. Don't I matter. would I would know the channels in Cleveland. I would understand what these shows is talking about in Cleveland. In Barcelona, I'm like, who who are these people? Bring me something. Where's Netflix? Come on. And yes, and those days, I tell people, especially the people who are on the go 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 train, like I was in the beginning of my long term travel. You are going to have days where all you want to do is sit inside and watch Netflix and eat snacks. Take those days. Take those days. And no matter what, it feels like you should be like you should have something to report to your friends. I went to this museum today. I did this. I explored. I hiked. If you feel like you need to sit in the dark and sleep and nap and do whatever, that's what you need to do. Because these people are not with you. These people, no matter what you say, think you're having the best time of your life. Don't, Every minute. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm, you're talking and I remember I went through, so I went to Argentina, Brazil, and Uruguay mm-hmm. solo. And it was, I didn't have a cell phone. Like I was like, whatever. I speak no Spanish. I speak mm-hmm. French. That didn't help. <laughs> and I got to Uruguay and you're right. I was so tired. Like I, I did a lot of travel through Argentina. I was so tired that I said, you know what? I could be cultural. I could get an experience. My behind is going to that McDonald's <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm going to go get that. And that thing is I speak no Spanish and, it, and it's like a set menu. And I said, that looks like a Big Mac. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to get. <laughs> I'm going to get the most American thing. Girl, if you can point, you can eat. So, you know, that is my, that is my motto in traveling. If you can point, whether that's it's something on the menu, whether it's someone else's plate, you can eat. you would be fine. So, yes, you got your Big Mac. It felt comforting, right? Comforting like home. Oh, my God. Them fries, and they were hitting, huh? It was like the best. Mm-hmm. And I don't even eat McDonald's in the States, but mm-hmm. it was like, this is the U.S. I can say uno. <laughs> it was number one. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to try and make my way through another Uruguay restaurant where I didn't understand and the time or whatever. And so, but if you tell folks that, they're like, well, you were traveling through and you did all these amazing things. And I'm like, you're right. Yes. But we're human. Like, right. you don't stop being impatient or tired or hungry or frustrated no. or in pain because you changed the time zone. You went to Uruguay and you ate a Big Mac? Ew. I know. The people who went to McDonald's. I was like, hell yeah, I went to McDonald's. It was the best one I've ever been to, too. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, because yeah. you'd been traveling for a while and you had not heard a language you understood. You had not <gasps> seen people who look like you. Even in well, the, like, this is an American face. You had not seen <laughs> Black people. You had not seen anyone you could bond with. You wanted something familiar and you got yourself a Big Mac. I know, I know that story. Well, you know, because I was, here's the thing, and and you said it, and it just triggered a memory. The one thing about when I was in Montevideo is that I would walk down the main street and everybody would turn. They were nice, Mm -hmm. but it was like, we haven't seen one of you (laughs) 
in this, and first of all, and they, their first assumption was I'm Brazilian, mm-hmm. which not a bad, not a bad assumption, but I'm like, you know, there comes a point too, where, you know, this traveling where you are just tired being <sighs> the circus attraction mm-hmm. in town, no matter how magnificent the place is and the culture and the whatever. And I just like, I just want some American food and I'm going to go back to my little hotel room, the top <laughs> and I'm going to lay down. Mm-hmm. And watch stupid movies on my little Kindle or whatever that I had because yes. I really had like no. <laughs> yes. I was I was I was very low tech. I don't think I could ever do that again. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah. But I I was gonna say I'm curious because you are in Mexico City. How did you end up ultimately choosing Mexico as your location? I was here during my career break. I came here. I I'd been here in the very beginning of my career break before my dad, dad passed away. So the first few weeks after I left Playa del Carmen. And then a friend of mine wanted to go on vacation, wanted to meet me somewhere, but she didn't have a lot of vacation days. She was coming from California. So I said, why not Mexico City? Okay. I love it here. So we came here for New Year's. We met up for New Year's. And we went, the first day she was here, we went to go walk around the neighborhood. And I was like, why don't I live here? And she was like, well, why don't you? Hmm. That's a question. (laughs) Let me, let me think about that. And then I knew that I wanted to work remotely and I realized I could live anywhere. Once I, once I pressed that reset, once I knew I didn't want to go back to the law firm life, once I knew I didn't want to work as hard as I would have to work to live in Mm -hmm. Oakland again, I'm not interested Mm -hmm. in that. Y'all, you can make that choice. Yeah. (laughs) No matter where you live. You can decide that the trade-off of of the cost of living of that city is not worth the work you have to do. And that is something, another thing we don't discuss that is really important. Like some of us are working just to survive. Some successful people are working very high paying jobs just to survive in the city they have chosen with the toys (laughs) they have chosen. And that's just, I was like, I'm not, I'm not answering to anybody else to live that life again. Um, Which also comes back to one of the tenets that I teach, which is don't, don't go so um, attached to your current life that you don't leave space to explore whether that's the life you want to return to. Cause it was like Mm. four months before I was like, Oh, I'm not going back to, I'm not going back to be a lawyer. And then when I realized I wasn't going back to be a lawyer, I was like, Oh, I'm not going back to the Bay area. Now, when I left, I was like, I am definitely coming back in a year and I'm definitely getting another um, job like the job I have now. And everything's going to be exactly the same. All of my things are in storage. Girl, I've been paying storage on an Ikea couch since <laughs> May of 2018. Yeah. I paid, I could have bought <laughs> probably three crate and barrel couches, three uh, restoration hardware couches. For the price I'm paying to store that Ikea couch and the rest of my things. And I have not been back to the Bay Area since May 2018. Like, I just knew I was going to move back there after in May of 2019. And that is, and in May of 2019, I ended up moving to Mexico City. So moved here, loved it here. Um, Got, went back to Florida for, to visit family for a week, got hurt, had to have surgery, couldn't leave. Got started feeling better in March and then Miss Corona showed up and was like, you thought you were going somewhere. Ha ha, sis. 
And then in December, so I came down to Mexico for about six weeks in November, uh, early December to figure out if I still liked it. That like, did I want to move down here? How did I feel really with the pandemic? What was the city like? Am I going to enjoy moving back down here? And I was like, where is the least I can sign? Where? Somewhere. Room someone. Paper. Paper. <laughs> I was really like, this is, this is what I need. Someone come bring this for me. And so I signed a, signed a lease, moved back in here the end-ish of December. And I plan on being here for at least a year, maybe two or three, depending on what happens. Um, this will at least be my home base. Like, I don't know, but I'm not going to go for more, you know, traveling adventures long-term, yeah. maybe a month here, two months there. But Mexico City will definitely, this apartment will be my home base. Wow. Yeah. And kudos to you doing it in the middle of a pandemic and every other thing that has been on fire. This, this no, the move is on year. fire. Do not, do not get it twisted. <laughs> the move has been a dumpster fire. I got here on the the twenty. Nope, on the seventeenth. Whatever day I got here was like the day they shut down the ability to. Hmm. They, they moved us up a level in yeah. the, um, we're at the highest level of, of shutdown now. COVID. Yes. We're at the highest yeah. level of pandemic precautions now. And so I can't buy furniture because furniture is not essential and furniture stores are not open. Are close. And people are like, well, you can get it from someone else. And I'm like, like used. And I'm like, do I want to buy someone's used couch in the or bed <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic? So girl, I got an air mattress. There is no bed. There's nothing. It's just... It is, and I've been here like over three weeks, and I've been sleeping on the same air mattress, and I'm tired. But I know I look at my window and I'm like, look at this view. It's amazing. I'm in Mexico City. <laughs> Y'all can do whatever you want in the US. I won't be there. I am not. And you know what? And this is this is something I as we start to wrap up, but this is something I was I wanted to get your take on. Um as a as a black content creator, as someone in the travel space, as someone who's very visible, and I know that you are part of the Black Travel Alliance, and I I know that there there are folks who are listening in who may not even know that that exists, and I know why it exists, but why for those who don't know why does it exist, and 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 just in your own words, why is it really important in the in the landscape of the work that you're doing? So the Black Travel Alliance was made to amplify Black travel creators, um, create accountabilities for brands who say, who post Black squares and then disappear, um, and, and really be there as a voice to, to serve once, to serve the, the creator and to say, um, this is who we are and this is what we do and we are skilled and we are talented. And if you say you can't find, these brands say they can't find black tra- content creators, black travel content creators for their campaigns. Look, look at our, look at our followers. Look at, like we have members, look at the members. This yeah. is, um, so I'm one of the founders mm-hmm. and I'm on the board and it's something that was born in June of this year, it really was about June of 2020, about telling brands that it's not enough. It's the your black square isn't enough. Like, what else? Nothing else? Nothing else. Like you're just not 
You're not, you're not hiring more of us. You're not posting more of us. You're not, where is the money? Like where, like, (laughs) and even like reposting us great and all visibility, but cut a check, like cut a check. Um, And so that's been part of our drive. And this is not cut a check to the founders. It's not cut a check to the board. This is hire black content creators who are out there. Like you cannot say you don't know where they are. You cannot say anything about our quality. Cause if you're saying something about the quality of our work, you're not looking for us. Like you're, if you say you can't find a good content creator, it's cause you have already decided there are no black content creators. Cause there are ones out there that will blow your mind. If you can't find them, you it's because you're not interested in finding them. And so it's been a very interesting year. Um, I love the team. We work really hard to make sure that people, you know, get work. We did a um, a networking event earlier this year, mm-hmm. and a lot of people got um, some contacts from that. Super cool, yeah, yeah, good. You attended? Yeah, I did go. I went. I went. Of course, I went. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, so we wanted people to be able to uh, black content creators to be able to have contacts with brands they they might no, not normally have access to. And we think that part worked really well. So we're very happy. And I, you know, given the path, what you just said, I think that people have to understand that even though they could see someone like you, that it is still work if you're a black content creator to even get some of these partnerships. Like it's not just, because I I think that's the the other misleading part, right? Is that they could see someone on Instagram, they could see someone on Twitter or whatever the platform is and think, okay, the money is also coming in at the same rate as maybe some of the other folks were singing, but that's More not money. the case. More money. <laughs> More money, some Listen, money, any money, willing to pay money. I will tell you that if I have gotten a dime in the last two years, there's a 90% chance it came from a Black woman. Like, mm. my work is almost exclusively supported by black women. It's funny. A guy in my, was on my YouTube comments the other day saying like, why are you addressing your comments to black women and not black men? And I was like, would you like to pay for a product or service? He said, no. I said, well, then I feel like our cop, like, you know, your audience. I don't think people understand this fact when they go, well, why aren't you talking to me? Cause you ain't the one moving the checks though. Like, like move the check. I'll talk to you individually. I will talk to you personally. If you pay for a session, no, but then you wonder what I support black women because black women support me. Um, and so, yes, my, my, this apartment I'm paying for. Thank you. Black women, the food I'm eating. Thank you. Black women. Thank you. I mean, we always have to thank black women though. Like, election included. Uh, like, but like legitimately, I, you know, some of the thanks are like, Oh, you did your part. Thank you. I'm going to take power and run now. No, this is a legitimate, like, I am appreciative and therefore I am there for you. You want help planning your career break? You want help moving abroad? I am here to serve you because you are my community. Mm. And I, I, I appreciate your candor on that because I, once again, I, I have a smidge of an idea of how much work you're probably putting on the back end because I know how much work I got to put it on the back end <laughs> and people see the product and they are going oh it's so amazing and you're so glamorous you're doing all this stuff and you're like but I'm up at 2 a.m trying to make this website work you don't <laughs> you don't understand so I I appreciate your willingness to share that and and on that note I got three questions okay I'm gonna ask you mm-hmm. I I think they're easy but then you know 
people to flip up. <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. Okay, right. I'm gonna give you the first thing top of my head. We're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. Well, right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> first, first, first question: favorite location that you visited so far? Mexico City. That's easy because it is. You moved there because I moved there, <laughs> and, and it's possible if you love a place, take your ass there. There's no reason. That's fair. Okay. All right. Second question: What's one place that is on your bucket list to go to that you haven't been to? <laughs> Can I say London based on our prior conversation? <laughs> I feel like okay. So I feel like London sounds so basic, and yet I haven't done it. Can't even talk to you. right. Like, like we talked about it. Like I've been there at least twice, but okay. I haven't been there. And full disclosure, I. I don't know. COVID is crazy. I kind of want to go this summer, but I'm saying this on the record. So everyone's, everyone's kind of going to hold me. But I kind of want to go this summer because now I'm pumped. I haven't okay. been. And okay. So, okay. so, so, so I, I will give you a second alternate answer. If people want to disqualify London, cause I actually have yeah. been there. Um, I don't have a bucket list, but I am going to Antarctica in December of next year. And I'm super excited about that. Oh my gosh. Are you really? Yeah. How is this happening? Is it a cruise? Is it's, it a flight? Is it's it- a group trip with up in the airline because there are some things I am not willing to plan myself. So I think that's important to know as a traveler, like what you're willing to plan. When I went to China, it was with up in the airline because I was like, I'm not flying to China. Antarctica, I got to I gotta do flights and stuff. No. Let me go ahead and take a group trip with people who will let me group trip the way I want to, where I don't have to go to everything, where y'all will make sure I'm fed well. <laughs> and leave me alone when I want to be left alone. Thank you. Okay, I, I appreciate the denim because you're right. Now that I think about it, group travel works for me if it's somewhere where it's just way too much of a hassle to figure oh, out the details. I gotta but do I might do it in the depot. I don't want to do that. Oh my god. Well, so how long will you be in Antarctica for? Uh, I think the cruise is a week. We meet in Buenos Aires. I love Buenos Aires, so Buenos Aires. I'll probably be in Buenos Aires for. Longer, a little longer before. Yeah. Oh my God. I, that is, I, I would love to return back to Argentina. That was, mm, that the was my wine. favorite mm. and, and, and so here's the funny part. I left on New Year's Eve mm-hmm. and I, <laughs> I missed my connecting flight because my initial flight was late. So mm-hmm. I get to Atlanta, which all good things happen in Hartsfield. And <laughs> I get there and I, and I say, okay, is another flight going to Argentina? And they're like, not tonight. It's New Year's Eve. I was like, what's my option? They're like, you could go tomorrow, or we could put your flight to Chile, and you could just figure out how to get to Argentina. Oh, shit. And I said, okay. As I was going to cost me anything, they're like, nah. So they put me on a flight to Chile, okay. and I had to get from Santiago to Buenos Aires. And I swore I will, A, go back and do a proper Chile trip. Okay. And B, fell in love with Buenos Aires the moment I landed yes. there. So you are right. It yeah. is a great, great place. It's a great city to be in. Ugh. Third question. Outside of yourself, who are some Black content creators in the travel space you would recommend to follow? Um, I am going to first say my boo, my business partner, Stephanie Perry. She is at vicarious.com. Um, if you ever see me post a pretty graphic, if you ever see a pretty graphic on exodussummit.com or, um, on our Exodus Summit IG, I do that. Stephanie did that. She is, she is 
amazing at what she does. She um, is very good. She does great videos about mm-hmm. house sitting, which is her thing. Yep. Um, and she's really good at sharing information and about caring about her audience. She really does it with heart. Um, the Traveling Child. I Okay, so I've worked with the board of the BTA for the past six months. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, I, I can't name one because I love them all. Like, I love Colby. I love, I, it's such a great warm group. So I'm going to say, follow all the members of the BTA board, <laughs> which is super corny, which is super corny. But like, if you see the type of content creators they are, you know, like they are leaders in the industry. Um, so I love working with them and I learn. it's the kind of thing where it's like, I have told them this, that I love being with people who do great work. Like, like they say, like, you want to level up, be around people who like do things well and they do things well. So the whole group, Tamika Harvey, everyone there is just, you know, who's off level. And I, by the way, I just saw a great post that, uh, to make, I just did on travel, like after 50. Yes. Or, and I was like, Oh, I'm not even near 50, but I'm like, you know what? I want to read this because this is the kind of stuff and content you don't get to see in other spaces. And it, I just love the variety of some of the stuff that's coming out mm-hmm. of that group. Yes. Yeah. Very. So, and, and it's international. So you'll get some, some, uh, British bloggers. You'll get, you know, you get a couple of us in Mexico. Love it. Good solid group. <laughs> So where can everyone find you though? You can find me if you want to go to the website and poke around and see what it is I do. That's shedasontheloose.com. S-H-I-D-A-S-O-N-T-H-E-L-O-O-S-E.com. She's laughing because she can see me closing my eyes while I spell because otherwise I won't be able to do it. Um, So shedasontheloose.com. You can find me on IG at shedad, that's S-H-I-D-A-D. And I'm going to draw, I'm going to uh, link you guys to my, or Amanda will link you to my sabbatical planning guide. That is bit.ly bit.ly slash sabbatical planning guide. I'm not spelling that. Y'all are on your own. Check the link (laughs) in the description. Um, Yeah. So I have a, a sabbatical planning guide that will help you take the career break that you want to take. Not someone else's break. You don't have to live someone else's life. But when you're ready for a reset, when you're ready to say, I'm tired of burnout, I want to do things my way, when you want to take control of your life and move away from the thousands of many, many decisions you made and start making big, drastic decisions with a clean slate, holler at me. I'm your girl. I'm here for you. Um, You can reach me, like I said, IG or the website. And I look forward to serving you further. And we're going to have all those links both in our show notes. We'll have them up on our website as well. And if you're signed up for the newsletter, we'll have the links in there. So it'll link to this episode. So you have no excuse not to be able to find Rashida. And honestly, if you follow us, you can just go through our followers and you'll find her as well. If you're that lazy, which I know some of us are. Thank you so much for sharing your story and just this time I I've loved and I've learned from you, which it's always good when I do this stuff because 
as much as I know, I still learn from, from hearing from people who are doing it in a different way. And so thank you for coming to the chatter. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope your audience got something helpful from this. Oh no, they're going to get something. <laughs> well, and, and we're, and you know what, and when it gets up on Instagram too, I'm going to make sure they get something too. And they can talk about it. All right. Perfect. <laughs> but, perfect. But thank you again. And until the next time, this is Amanda Bates with the Global Chatter. The Global Chatter with the Black Expat is hosted by me, Amanda Bates. It is produced by Justin Williams. You can find the show wherever you get your podcast or follow us on our YouTube channel at The Black Expat Presents. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.